Well, good morning, Countryside Christian Church. Uh, glad that you have chosen to join us on this Mother's Day. Uh, Laura sent out a uh, church-wide email and asked people to uh, participate in a video that we put together. And uh, it's simply uh, folks from the church reflecting on their mom. And so we hope that you will enjoy it. And uh, here we go. Every Mother's Day, I always think of my mom. Lots of memories come to mind. Here are just a few. Every Mother's Day, Mom wanted us to come to the farm and plant her flowers and do some spring yard cleanup. She had a big flower bed. She didn't want presents. She just wanted us to come and help her plant flowers. And then she would really feed us a good meal. Really good meal. She was a good cook. Mom loved parties, especially her own birthday parties. Her mother was, her birthday was in January and you could never depend on the weather in January. You know, there might be a snowstorm on her birthday. So she always wanted to celebrate early. We would always have a big celebration in October, especially if her birthday ended in a zero or a five. Then when January came around, we would always have another birthday party or two for her. She loved parties. My mom passed away on April 27th, 2018 at age 97. She was always especially encouraging when I struggled with doing my 4-H projects, being sewing or gardening. As one of four kids living on a farm, we were always part of the workforce. And that through that, we learned a lot about life skills, working hard and working together. My gardening skills and enjoyment are a direct result of her positive influence. Mom, Mom taught my Sunday school class and led my youth group for many years. God gave me a wonderful role model in a fine Christian woman, my mom. My mother was born in 1904, married my father in 1922, gave birth to a daughter in 1923, and son-daughter twins in 1925. Our family survived the Great Depression and World War II rationing because Mom could see the silver lining in every cloud and the goodness in every person. One of my sisters-in-law once commented that Mom could make a meal out of nothing. This is Wayne Lotz. My birth mother was a loving, caring, tender person. I loved her very much, and I know that she loved me very much, too. Truth be told, I was probably a mama's boy, quite shy, lacking boldness and self-confidence. When the Lord took her from us when I was 12, I was devastated. This was certainly not what I would have chosen, but God had a plan. When my dad married a family friend who had lost her husband a couple years earlier, things did not go well between my mom and me. Mom was tough on me, and I was not very respectful of her. To say we had a rocky start was a definite understatement. Over the years, my attitude changed as she helped mold me into a more confident and outgoing young man, a lot more responsible and respectful, too. My mother was my nurturer for the first 12 years of life, my life. My father was the rock of the family for the next two years. And then my mom was my molder and influencer for the next 48 years. I wouldn't be the man I am today without these two wonderful Christian women teaching me to be a gentleman and a Christian. 
God knew the kind of mother I needed to become what he wanted me to be. And he provided that with, to me with two incredible moms. This is Kathy Lotz, and these are the memories of my mom. I have many memories of my mom. She died two years ago at the age of 97. But oh, how I treasure all the memories I hold dear in my heart. I learned lots of things from mom. Many have asked me why I do things a certain way, and my answer is, well, that's the way mom did it. I think mom was the originator of going green. She always hung clothes out on the line, and yep, I do that. We washed and reused baggies, cottage cheese containers, Cool Whip dishes, and even plastic plates. And guess what? I am doing the same thing. I guess I learned that lesson too well. Well, thank you for participating and sharing uh, fond memories of your uh, mother. I, too, have some fond memories of uh, my mom. Uh, one particular time when I was a junior in high school, uh, I probably had uh, sort of impressed upon me the depth of the love that I had uh, for my mom that was maybe even a little beyond my comprehension uh, at the time. Uh, my junior year of high school was the only year I rode the school bus. And, uh, one day I got off the school bus like I had done many times before. I went to the back door like I had done many times before. I opened uh, the screen door uh, like I had done many times before. And I opened the door anticipating seeing my mom somewhere in the house. And uh, when I pushed open the door, out came a big cloud of billowing smoke that sort of overtook me at the moment. And I remember immediately I stepped back from the big cloud of smoke. I breathed in a very deep breath and I ran into the house just yelling, Mom! Mom! I ran all the way through the kitchen and through the living room and I opened up the front door and the smoke billowed out behind me. I took another big breath and I turned right around and I ran right back into the house just yelling, Mom! I went into the basement yelling, Mom! And she was nowhere uh, to be found. I ran up back into the kitchen uh, to discover that there was a pot of beans that was on the stove and the burner was uh, uh, burning and the pan was red and that was the source of all of the smoke. Meanwhile, the neighbor had called 911 and the fire department came and they were uh, blowing uh, all of the smoke out. They had big fans in the doorways and uh, windows were open. And, and uh, while the fire department was there and all of this smoke was leaving uh, the house, uh, down the street walks my mom. Um, uh, she was surprised to see the fire trucks in the front yard and in the and, and there in the driveway and whatnot. And uh, she then learned that she had uh, burned the beans. I'll never forget the feeling that I had when I opened the door and the smoke came billowing out, and the urgency that I felt and the concern that I had, and it was very overwhelming at the time, I had sort of solidified something that I knew but didn't fully maybe grasp. I loved my mom. I loved my mom. That was uh, something that I remember from growing up and uh, it's probably not the first image that would come to my mind when I think about my mom. Probably the first image that I think about when I think about who my mom is, who, who, who she, uh, who she uh, was when I was growing up is, uh, 
my mom and dad had matching recliners. And uh, there was a, a coffee table that kind of sat in between the two. And I don't know how many times growing up, uh, I saw my mom sitting in her recliner. Uh, the lamp had been turned on and she was sitting with her uh, kind of head facing down into her lap. And there in her lap was her Bible opened and she was scanning and reading her Bible. I, I'd seen that image over and over and over again. It's something that I can just bring right up to the forefront of my mind at any time that I think about my mom. That's who my mom is. That's who my mom was. Well, this morning, Mother's Day, I would like to uh, talk with you and share with you um, the, uh, the, the core of the message today is simply the role of a biblical woman. The role of a biblical woman. And when I say that, maybe something comes to your mind from the book of Ephesians, chapter 5, verse 22, and maybe you've heard that verse before where it says, wives, submit to your husband. And maybe you kind of go, oh, not another one of these. Wives, submit to your husbands. you got to be a good uh, biblical woman. got to be a little woman that kind of pays attention to the husband. No, no, no. I'm not going to go there at all. I'm going to jump all the way into the uh, Old Testament. We're not going to talk about what Paul talks to the, the church in Ephesus about. We're going to talk about what King Solomon, the author of the book of Proverbs, had to say. Uh, I challenged you a couple of weeks ago to be reading through the book of Proverbs and there's uh, 31 chapters. I said, just take the next 31 days and, and read through that. And I hope that you are. And because what I want to do right now is just kind of uh, go back and look at Proverbs chapter 1 and the first of five verses and just kind of get an idea of what was Solomon doing? Why did he write Proverbs? What was his intention? And so here we go. Proverbs, uh, Proverbs chapter 1, verses 1 through 5. They say this, the Proverbs of Solomon, son of of David, king of Israel. So he's identified himself. He's the king. Remember, Solomon is the guy that uh, God says, I'll give you anything you want. Solomon, what do you want? Solomon says, I want wisdom. God says, hey, you have asked for something that's fantastic. And he gives him wisdom. And now he begins to record all of the wisdom of his lifetime and in the book of Proverbs. And uh, he kind of explains that to us in verse two. He says, why, why am I writing this to you? Here's why. For gaining wisdom and instruction. Well, who doesn't want more of that in their life? For understanding words of insight. Well, who doesn't want to be more insightful? He goes on in verse 3. He says, for receiving instruction in prudent behavior. Who doesn't want to be prudent in their behavior? So pay attention to the book of Proverbs. Doing what is right and just and fair. If you want to know what is right and just and fair. Read through the book of Proverbs. Verse 4 says, For giving prudence to those who are simple. Have you ever been accused of being a simple-minded person or a simple person? Or maybe you feel that way about yourself. How do you kind of expand your knowledge and wisdom beyond that? Jump into the book of Proverbs. That's why he's writing the book. Knowledge and discretion. Or the young, have you ever been challenged in your thinking or written off because of your youth? Read through the book of Proverbs and learn it. Apply it to your life. Verse 5, let the wise listen and add to their learning. And he goes on and he says this, and let the discerning get guidance. That's why Solomon wrote the book 
of Proverbs. And who wouldn't want to be more like that? Who wouldn't want more wisdom, discernment? Who wouldn't want to be wise and just and fair? These are fantastic characteristics and fantastic qualities that we should all want in our life. And here's what's maybe, maybe for today especially most interesting about the book of Proverbs. So Solomon, this very, very wise king, he records 31 chapters. And so in 30 chapters, he's unpacking, this is the way you become more wise. This is the way you become more prudent. And he makes his way all the way down to uh, chapter 31. And in chapter 31, then he takes the time to wordsmith and to craft a, a word picture, an image of the individual who has embodied all of the instruction and all of the wisdom that he has just produced. And that individual that he uses as a word picture, as the embodiment of everything that is there in the, in the book of Proverbs is in fact a woman, a mom. And so when you get to uh, Proverbs chapter 31 and uh, starting with verse 10 and following, uh, you read about this woman who is the embodiment of all of the instruction that King Solomon has put forth in the entire book. Now, before we get into uh, the book of Proverbs chapter 31, verses 10 through 31, I just want to simply say this. Uh, I know that everyone that is listening to this, especially the ladies that are listening to this, uh, not all of you are moms. Uh, and uh, I know that uh, some of you have, in fact, lost your mom and that today could be very difficult. I also want you to know that uh, the description that we read about of this mom in Proverbs 31, that might not be your mom. Maybe the mom that you grew up having and experienced uh, as a very different kind of a person than what is described here. But when Solomon is writing the 31st chapter of Proverbs, um, what he's shooting for is he wants us to know the ideal. He wants us to know the goal. Uh, he wants us to uh, put uh, the best foot forward, and he wants us to see the possibilities of everything that a strong biblical woman can be. And so having said that, let's jump into Proverbs chapter 31 and verse 10. As we look at the role of a biblical woman. He starts out in verse 10 and uh, the first two words are a wife, a wife. We need to understand you, this, uh, the word wife can also be translated as a woman. And so it's not specific to a wife or a mom, but it is specific to a woman. And he says this, a wife of noble character who can find. She is worth far more than rubies. Rubies are rare, hard to find. Rubies are valuable. And so there's a note here to the men. Men, uh, <clears throat> you have to look for a bride that is going to be rare. You can't just take the very first one that comes your way. You need to evaluate and you say, is this, is this lady a rare lady? Has she taken the time to incorporate all of the teaching of Proverbs in and from King Solomon into 
her life. And so you don't take the first one that comes along. So the ladies just kind of know this. Uh, if you have these characteristics, if you are the embodiment of uh, the book of Proverbs, you need to know that you are rare and you are valuable and that you are complete in Christ in simply living out these characteristics. And so uh, uh, Solomon goes on, verse 11, and he says this. Her husband, still talking about this lady, this lady is a wife, and says, her husband has full confidence in her and lacks nothing of value. She brings him good, not harm, all the days of her life. And so men know this. If you have a wife that embodies these characteristics, you have a wife that is rare and valuable. Treat her as such. Treat her as such. Now Solomon lists all of these varied opportunities and experiences that this biblical woman has. And as she begins to live them out, and we can see that there's a whole lot of characteristics and a whole lot of opportunities, a whole lot of experiences that this biblical woman can engage in as she has learned from Solomon. It says this in verse 13, she selects wool and flax and works with eager hands. She works with eager hands. You know what that means, ladies? That means it's okay to be a blue collar worker. That means if, if you want to be a welder, you can be a welder. If you want to be a cook, a chef, you can be a cook or a chef. If you want to sew, uh, you can sew. You can work with uh, your hands. That's the woman that is described by King Solomon here. He goes on and he says this in the very next verse, verse 14. He says, she is like a merchant ship bringing her food from afar. Oh, maybe she's in management and maybe she's in resource acquisition and she's very well versed in trying to move goods from place to place. Maybe that is the, the occupation or the role that she takes on. Verse 15 says this, she gets up while it is still night. She provides for her family and portions for her female servants. I think it's true that we could say this. First, she provides for her family. And then she provides for her employees. I think that we could draw from that, uh, that to be a strong biblical woman, uh, you would first look to take care of your family, and you would prioritize that over your employment. That you would put your family in front of your career. That you would prioritize them in that way. I know that that can be very difficult. Your job can be very demanding, and uh, the phone doesn't ring, and the texts don't stop, and the emails don't stop. But a strong biblical woman is always going to find a way to make sure her family knows that they are first before her career. Verse 16, she considers a field and buys it. Apparently, she works in real estate. Continues in that same verse, it says, out of her earnings, so she's made good investments with these properties. She's even buying investment properties, potentially, as she considers a field and she buys it out of her earnings and plants a vineyard. And you know what that means? She's got realist, not only does she maybe have investment properties, but apparently she's a vineyard operator. Maybe she owns a winery. Verse 17, it says, she sets about her work vigorously. 
It says her arms are strong for her task. And maybe that means that she has a, a, a diligent exercise routine and that she enjoys uh, exercising and that her arms are strong for the task. And all of these characteristics are found in this biblical woman. It goes on in verse 18, it says, she sees that her trading is profitable. What's that mean? She invests well. She pays attention to her retirement portfolio. And her lamp does not go out at night. Maybe she's taking a night class. Maybe she's trying to get a degree online at night. Or maybe she's trying to get an advanced degree online at night. And she's involved with getting a further education. In verse 19 it says, in her hand, she holds the distaff and grasps the spindle with her fingers. Now, I got to tell you, I have no idea what that is. I, I don't. I didn't know what a. I didn't know what a. Uh, what is that thing called? Uh, she 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 holds the distaff. What's a distaff? I had to look that up. Maybe you saw that earlier this week on my Facebook page. I posted a video of a lady teaching how to use a distaff and a spindle. And apparently, that's a stick that's got a a big ball of wool wrapped around it. And you sort of pinch off that wool and then you attach it to the spindle and it spins. And as you're pulling off these strands of wool, it it basically it turns it into thread. And it was probably a common task. I'm just going to kind of launch out here and say, uh, I think that what the way that you would interpret that today, a strong biblical woman, she simply understands some common household tasks. That's just a part of who she is. She uh, goes on in verse 20, it says, uh, she opens her arms to the poor and extends her hands to the needy. That means she's generous. She's philanthropic. Uh, she's caring. She's looking out for the needy. Verse 21, it goes on and this biblical woman, it says, uh, when it snows, she has no fear for her household, for all of them are clothed in scarlet. She makes coverings for her bed. She is clothed in fine linen and purple. I think that means she provides well for her family and apparently she likes to shop. <laughs> she, she, she has all of these very things and I think that that's not uncommon. Uh, uh, some people joke about men like to shop and go shopping and, and uh, ladies like to go shopping. Right? And uh, that's sometimes the characteristic of a lady. They do those things. Listen to this. In uh, verse 23, it says, Her husband is respected at the city gate where he takes his seat among the elders of the land. Her husband is respected. Apparently, she too did not take the first guy that came along. She was discerning in who she would allow to court her. She said, the guy that I'm going to be married to is going to be a man that is respected. He's going to show me respect. And she was discerning when it came to the, to, to the men that she brought into her life. To be a good biblical woman never, ever, ever means that you need to be submissive to the point of being a doormat or being walked on 
or being mistreated or abused. It never, ever means that. Biblical marriage always reflect the highest respect from a husband to a wife and from a wife to a husband. That is always the case in Scripture. Listen. It continues, verse 24. She makes linen garments and sells them and supplies the merchants with sashes. Apparently, she's a business owner or maybe she owns or maybe she operates a boutique. That's the woman that she is. Verse 25 says, she is clothed with strength and dignity. She can laugh at the days to come. That means she is wise and she is confident. Verse 26 says, she speaks with wisdom and faithful instruction is on her tongue. She is an educated lady. It was on verse 27. She watches over the affairs of her household. She watches over the affairs of her household. She watches over the affairs of her household and does not eat from the bread, from the bread of idleness. She watches over the affairs. You know what, what I believe that means? As it is totally within the guidelines of a, a strong biblical woman uh, to do all of these things that we have mentioned before, but also if she desires to be a stay-at-home mom, she tends to the affairs of the household. That Maybe that's who this lady is as well, a stay-at-home mom. Full respect to the stay-at-home mom. Then he goes on and uh, Solomon, maybe maybe part of this, we could just kind of dive right in and say this is this is a verse that we can apply directly to Mother's Day. Verse 28, her children arise and call her blessed, her husband also, and he praises her. Make sure you take time today if your mom is still with you or uh, maybe you're the children that are watching this and listening to make sure you go over and give your mom a hug and give her praise. Solomon kind of winds this thing down in verse 29, and he says, uh, Many women do noble things, but you surpass them all. And then in verse 30, gives good advice. He says, Charm is deceptive, and beauty is fleeting, but a woman who fears the Lord is to be praised. I just want to say, ladies, remember, uh, we know beauty is fleeting. Beauty is not eternal. Uh, uh, beauty is, it's forever, always, just with every tick of the clock, it is going away for all of us. But the fear of the Lord is, is eternal, and that is our destiny. Make sure that there is a proper priority of prioritizing the eternal over that which is fleeting. And then he concludes with this verse. He says, honor her for all that her hands have done and let her works bring her praise at the city gate. That's who that lady is. This woman filled with wisdom is to be honored and loved. And often this woman, we call her mom, mom. There's a story of a little boy spending the day with his mom. And uh, she's frantically kind of running around the house. She uh, has misplaced her keys. And as she's uh, running from room to room and looking on all of the tabletops and surfaces in the house, looking for her keys, she just kind of uh, blurts out in front of her, uh, her small son. She says, I am losing my mind. The little boy looks up at her and says, Mom... 
I hope you never lose your heart because that's where I'm at. I'm in your heart. Isn't it true? For many of us, when we were kids, we could look at our mom and know that uh, that's a safe place in mom's arms and in her heart. And for many moms, they look at their children and they know that that is a very loving and sincere place. Why is it that we are so attracted and attached to the idea of being in the heart of another? Uh, why is it that we are so attracted and so in need of having others in our heart? Uh, the reason is because that's the way that we were created. We were created to be a people that give love and experience and receive love. That's how God made us. That's who God is. God is love. God does that for us. John 3.16, for God so loves the world that he, that he gave his one and only son that whoever believes in him doesn't need to worry about this life anymore because we have an eternal life that he is preparing us for and that we will live forever in the house of the Lord with Jesus. You know, when we look at the characteristics of a loving mom, of this woman that embodies the things that Solomon is talking about. We see fantastic qualities and characteristics. And all of those fantastic qualities and characteristics are the embodiment of exactly who Jesus Christ is as well. When we get to know Jesus Christ better, and when we experience the love that comes from him, our life is better. And when my life is better by embracing scripture and being closer to Jesus, I'm a better dad and I'm a better husband. And maybe you're a better mom and you're a better wife. Here's what I want you to know. God loves us and he cares for us. And all of these instructions come from him. And if you do not know Jesus Christ as your Lord and your Savior, I would encourage you to contact uh, this church, Countryside Christian Church. Reach out. You can send Laura an email. You can find her on the website. She can put, uh, she can put uh, you in touch with me or any one of the elders here. And we want you to know, and we can even arrange some sort of a social distance baptism. We know that we can take care of that because we want you to know Jesus Christ as your Lord and your Savior. He is the author of life. He gives us everything that is good. And he even gives us great moms. I hope that you have a wonderful rest of your Mother's Day. Take time to say hi to mom. I pray that your mom is still with you. I pray that if she's not, you have fond memories of her and that you would be able to share them as some of the other people did as well uh, uh, that you saw in the video earlier. Have a blessed day.